RadioInfluence.com. Welcome back to the Law Father Podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. And check us out on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, check us out there for daily updates and following what's going on with the law firm and with the law father and just various different things. Uh, Tip Tuesday, Fact Friday. So check those things out. Uh, always follow us and uh, listen to the podcast. I appreciate everybody who does listen. As those of you who are watching on video can see, we are still in the original Law Father headquarters. We had a slight delay, uh, but I will tell you we will, for the next podcast, be in the new Law Father headquarters. And just as a little programming note, we will be off the Monday after Christmas and we'll be returning in 2021. So last podcast of the year, uh, and those of you who are watching can see this, uh, but those of you who are just listening... uh, Lawfather breaking out the Christmas blazer. So uh, check us out on YouTube if you if you aren't uh, watching us there typically, if you're just listening to the audio version of the podcast, come take a look at the Lawfather Christmas blazer. Try to jazz things up a little bit for the holidays. And that is going to be the theme of today's show. It's going to be uh, some holiday lawsuits and some holiday litigation. Uh, but real quick, to mention, and I know everybody's getting tired of coronavirus and shutdowns and and things of that nature. One of the things here in the Tampa Bay area, we have a lot of the uh, counties and cities that are enacting some stricter regulations on uh, bars and clubs and restaurants. And I think it's going to be something that is going to be interesting to see what happens here. Uh, I wouldn't be terribly shocked if we saw lawsuits come out of this thing with uh, restaurants, uh, seemingly being targeted restaurants and we'll call it the hospitality industry as a whole uh, seemingly being targeted in terms of stricter regulations and should that be the case is there a scientific correlation to a bar club or restaurant and an increased instance of coronavirus cases i think a lot of it comes down to that aspect uh however one of the things that we do need to consider is that governor DeSantis has really said over and over and over again that he is going to stand behind the hospitality industry and not let local governments, that would be cities and counties, uh, come in and enact strict regulations that hurt the businesses. So I think it's going to be interesting because I think we can see possibly both of two things happen. One, lawsuits. Two, Governor DeSantis new executive order possibly uh, that, that says, hey, you can't enact these stricter regulations because he has said over and over that he is going to stand behind restaurants. So something to keep an eye on. I will keep an eye on that. And let's look at some Christmas lawsuits. Okay. It's Christmas time. There's fun things going on, but the legal world never stops and never really ceases to amaze. Uh, One thing I learned in law enforcement was the stranger a story is, the more likely it is to be true. Uh, The more that something was seemingly rooted in reality that seemed off uh, was most likely a lie. And the things that seemed so far out there uh, seemingly were true. And some of these fall into that category. So let's talk about this. We have a guy, a gentleman, uh, Warren Hayes, out of, I believe it was Ohio. Yep, Ohio. Uh, This gentleman was. He got his driver's license. He got his AAA card. And uh, 
he got his vehicle registered, not in the name Warren Hayes. And, and if you're guessing and following along here, the theme, he got it in the name of Santa Claus. And guess what his address that he listed on all of these documents? One Noel Drive, North Pole, USA. All right. So kind of ridiculous, kind of crazy, right? How does the government agency allow Warren Hayes to get a driver's license in the name of Santa Claus? Uh, Don't see anything that indicates that he legally changed his name. So what happened to Santa Claus Hayes? Well, let's see. He gets in a car crash. Poor guy gets in a little minor crash. Police come out and he gives them the ID and his ID says Santa Claus. Right. Well, this officer looking at him saying, well, this isn't quite right. And probably assuming that the ID was fake. Okay. Charges uh, Mr. Santa Hayes, Santa Claus Hayes. Okay. With uh, having using a fictitious name, which Florida also has a fictitious name statute. I, I can't really see how you would apply that that here. I mean, I, I can understand why the officer would do that because quite clearly you're looking at a guy's driver's license that says Santa Claus. Why would you ever think that this was legitimate and not some sort of fake ID, right? Why, why would you on the outside ever think that another government agency within the state would issue a license that listed, uh, what was it? One Noel drive, uh, especially if there's not a Noel drive in the city that, that you're working and living in. So long story short, Santa Claus Hayes uh, had the charges dropped and it was uh, because the motor vehicle department allowed him to get the license in that name. So there you go. Santa Claus Hayes. Now let's look at another story here. Story out of Arkansas, but bringing it right back to Florida. Okay. The stuff that Hollywood is made of or Disney's Hollywood studios for that matter. Now, Think about this, okay? You have Christmas lights, you drive around, you see all these lights, everything looks cool, everything looks great. Uh, Those of you who have seen uh, Clark Griswold and and his movie set, okay? That had 25,000 lights, okay? So giving you a little bit of perspective here. So think about Griswold and, and the lights and kind of the ridiculous outlandish right that that was supposed to be that was that was what that was meant to be the outlandishness was what was supposed to be funny about it okay family in in arkansas the osbournes had 3 million lights 3 million okay and well they got sued in the 90s for having 3 million lights and this actually went all the way up to up to the supreme court right In the lower level courts, the state courts, the Osbournes lost. It it was found that those lights did cause harm to the neighbors. And so they fought their $3 million million light display all the way up to the Supreme Court. And what the local courts had said was that they could only have them lit during certain times of the day and only for 15 days. That was it. That was what the ruling was. And uh, turns out the Supreme Court, Justice Clarence Thomas, was not really all that sympathetic for them and said, yeah, hey, guess what? You get 15 days 
to play those lights and have them on. And uh, you can only have them lit during certain hours of the day. My guess is probably somewhere at dark to, you know, somewhere before everybody starts going to bed. I mean, imagine 3 million lights and imagine being the person next to them, right? That's going to take a heck of a blind in the, in the windows to keep those lights out. How does any of this tie into Disney and Hollywood Studios? Well, in 95, Disney's Hollywood Studios purchased that light display. And if you're curious about what it looked like, you can check them out at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Okay, this is not an ad for Hollywood Studios. It's just what I found. And I find it interesting that you can actually see this light display. Now, I don't know if it's still there, uh, especially with uh, coronavirus and, and some of the things that the parks are doing to keep people from congregating. Okay, um, but that is what that looks like. Okay, so uh, check that out. That might be something interesting to take a look at. A couple of other uh, interesting stories here. Uh, so it's not always just about Christmas, right? Let's not forget about, you know, kind of the, the roots of Christianity, which uh, stems back to the Old Testament and uh, the Jewish people. And we look at a missing menorah lawsuit. Yeah, no, nah, nah, this one doesn't necessarily fall in the in the funny category, more of interesting, if you will. So the Seattle-Tacoma International Airport in uh, the early 2000s, they had up 14 trees and they called them holiday trees. Not necessarily Christmas trees, but holiday trees. And, and so they were threatened with a lawsuit, right? Because, hey, you didn't include everybody because you didn't include a menorah. So we are going to sue you because you didn't do that, right? So the airport took everything down for a weekend and put it back up. So uh, interestingly, though, they didn't even think to just put a menorah. I'm pretty sure that would have been an easy fix, would have made it all go away. It uh, doesn't look like any lawsuit was ever filed, but that's, that's what that is. And, uh, you know, just kind of an interesting aside from the legal standpoint for a moment. You ever looked into the history of the Christmas tree? Because it it's kind of interesting. And... The, the founders of America, okay, the, the, the first people who came over, uh, not Christopher Columbus, but the next group of people, the Puritans, uh, thought that Christmas trees were, were rooted in pagan beliefs, right? So we had these Christian ideals in the United States and, and well, before the United States was the United States, but you get where I'm going with this, that Christmas trees were, uh, were not allowed. Right, and it wasn't until uh, some German, I believe it was Irish immigrants, came over and brought the Christmas tree with them. Right, brought that idea with them, and it originated with uh, not individual trees and houses here, uh, with more community type trees, and it has grown to what we see today. Uh, another interesting thing that that I see, and you could tie this back to the legal world and you know potential damages and lawsuits. They lit their Christmas trees up with candles, okay? Yeah, I know they didn't have electricity back then, but let's think about this. A cut-down tree that is essentially dead and probably drying out a little bit was lit with candles. So think about all the fires that we have uh, from Christmas trees from electrical issues, okay? Now, probably multiply that by several times when you're dealing with actual lit candles. This one, kind of interesting, Okay, keeping along the Christmas and holiday theme here, 
I, I don't know if any of you follow. I think he's the former sheriff now, uh, Sheriff Joe Arpaio uh, out in Arizona. Really kind of an interesting character. Uh, has done a lot of uh, weird things, we'll call them. Uh, he had a tent city out in Arizona where the inmates would live outside. I, I believe they wore pink underwear. Uh, it was He did a lot of things that were kind of meant to demean. And the idea was to keep people from going to jail, right? The the thought process being that we're going to make this as uncomfortable for you as possible. So therefore you don't want to come back. Now, whether that was right or wrong, probably maybe a topic for another show. And, and as I'm talking about it, maybe we will jump into uh, what Sheriff Joe Arpaio had done in the past on those things. But let's look at it from the holiday theme. Now he's been sued over and over and over, but for one thing, he's been sued six times and guess what it's over holiday music what could possibly be so bad about holiday music well how about 12 hours of what's described as culturally diverse holiday music yep he had the inmates listening to 12 hours of holiday music each day there's probably worse things that could happen but they uh they kept suing and quote from sheriff arpaio was we keep winning these lawsuits inmates should stop acting like the Grinch who stole Christmas and give up wasting the court's time with such frivolous assertions so uh or assertions rather excuse me so that is Sheriff Joe Arpaio and that is the Christmas song lawsuit or more appropriately the six Christmas song lawsuits I'll leave you with uh, one more kind of interesting tidbit and this comes out of texas of all places uh kind of surprised that that texas having some lawsuits over uh we'll call it essentially religious freedom or um not separating church and state right so if you look at government in the united states there's supposed to be what's called a separation of church and state and that emanates back from our time in england when when you had to uh, be part of, uh, I believe it was the Church of England, was the only lawful religion that you could follow. And when everybody came over to this country, it was, we're going to have religious freedoms, which if we think back to the Christmas tree piece that the Puritans didn't allow Christmas trees, kind of flies in the face of that. So a little bit of give and take, but where we are today, you know, we have so many different religions here, right? No one's persecuted for their religions, at least on a government level. Okay. I don't want to get into that discussion on the the more social level, whether or not that's true. Uh, It's really kind of beyond what we're looking at, but Texas is seemingly a place that things are kind of free flowing. And uh, I think there's kind of a lot of religion in Texas. And I think the more religious a state is, the more you kind of see a blending of church and state and less issues or i guess maybe conversely maybe you see more lawsuits relating to it because your lawmakers are blending the two concepts together right the religious concepts and the state legislative type concepts but anyway what i'm getting to is this there was a school in texas that a student showed up with candy canes and the candy canes explained that there was or there was a note with the candy canes excuse me that explained that candy canes actually have a religious connotation. Go figure that. The little sugar-filled canes, right, that everybody likes to chew on and the little kids love actually has some religious connection. What is that connection? Well, 
apparently, uh, at least according to, I guess, old folklore, that the canes represent shepherd's crooks. Okay, so if we look back to the biblical days, the days of Jesus, and even before that, a lot of the, the people involved in the Bible were shepherds, and the shepherds all had canes, and supposedly the candy canes are meant to represent shepherd's canes. I don't know if that's true or not, but I can tell you the courts in Texas upheld the lawsuits and, and protected the principals who had made the decision that those candy canes weren't allowed. So, you know, probably if you don't bring the note with the candy canes, you pass out candy canes, probably fine. Put that note with the candy canes. All of a sudden now it's religious and we have a problem because it's a school and a school is a governmental entity and therefore separation of church and state applies all that good stuff. So kind of bah humbug on the candy canes, but that is what we have here. And and that's somewhat of the religious look back and not necessarily intended to at the top of the show to get into really a, a religious history on, on that. But that's where we are. That is the Christmas edition of the Law Father podcast. Just some interesting tidbits for you as you get ready for Christmas. So just remember... When you have your family over and uh, you're ready to get rid of them, I suggest playing culturally diverse holiday music for 12 hours, okay? And uh, if they sue you, they probably won't win. So keep that in mind as you're getting ready for the Yuletide and uh, everything else as we get ready for Christmas and not cutting uh, anybody else out. Uh, I believe Hanukkah is over at this point. It was eight days and my math tells me that that was probably more than eight days ago. But for those of you who celebrate Hanukkah, happy Hanukkah. Those of you who celebrate celebrate Kwanzaa, which I believe is coming up, happy Kwanzaa. Uh, any other religions out there, any other holidays that I miss that are up, up around this time of the year, happy holidays to you. Uh, Merry Christmas to those of you who do celebrate Christmas. And that is the last Law Father show of the year. All right. So I appreciate you all listening. I'm very thankful for all of you who have listened all through 2020. And I look forward to showing you all the new place in 2021 and continuing with some uh, exciting content. Uh, Maybe we'll look to bring on some more guests come 2021. How about that? I think that may be a good goal for 2021. As you're listening, if you want to take a look and see us a little bit more often, see what I'm talking about uh, here in, in terms of what the setup is and my great Christmas blazer and when we did Thanksgiving, we had a nice Thanksgiving blazer and, and that type of stuff. Uh, check out our YouTube page because I do put a lot of videos on there. Some of them are informational. Some of them are meant to be fun. Just a lot of different material on there. So go ahead and check out our YouTube page as well. Uh, that's a good place to look. I believe the YouTube page is actually under Frankie Injury Law, not necessarily the Law Father, but that is the Law Father show for today. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. I do read all the comments on there, and I, I do try to use feedback that I receive on the show to make the show better. All right? So, Happy New Year to everybody. I think that is really non-denominational. Okay, so I tried to cover everybody, and I think I hit it right on the head with the Happy New Year to everybody. All right? Happy New Year, everybody. See you all in 2021. Father out. This is an In the Trenches with Ian Beckles quick fix on Radio Influence. For those of you that are Buccaneer fans that watch that game, you're probably as confused as I am. Like anybody that watched that game literally looked, we looked like a bad Mac team 
in the first half. And the second half, we looked like Alabama. I, I don't know why it happens. I don't know how it happens. Did I learn anything more about our team? No, it's really weird. Like two weeks in a row, we came out with victories, but I still come out of that game thinking the same thing of the Bucks. I just don't know what the hell they are. I just, I don't even know if they know what the hell they are. You know, there's parts of that Minnesota game and there's parts of that Atlanta game that makes me think maybe they are starting to put it together. In the second half, they looked brilliant offensively. Actually, defensively, they did as well. Is it possible for them to put that together? Because when you watch that half, oh, that's going to scare a lot of teams. That that team on that field will scare a lot of teams. In the Trenches with Ian Beckles can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com. Thanks.